Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity standing here in Denver on my foot that has a chip fracture in it, but I am standing. So um, so that's all good. Yep, Sarah, I am injured again, but um, but not terribly injured, which is good. I'm kind of just like a nice vanilla flavored injured. <laughs> <laughs> so, so t- p- the people who didn't read the, um, well, if you listened to our podcast last week, you know that Dimity and I took, uh, each took a lovely fall on ice in Salt Lake City. And um, Dimity, somehow that translated for you into a chipped fracture, a chip fracture in your foot. And what in was it toe? in your toe? And what so, was it? Yeah, the- so it wasn't getting any better. And so I was like, oh, you know, and I, and I knew, um, like I, I wrote in the post, um, so I, I'd done probably, run on it, I'd probably run the equivalent of say like 15 or 16 miles. And those last, like say seven miles were, I was really, really compensating. Like you could just tell like everything else on my left leg was like lighting up. And I was like, and I just thought to myself, don't do this. Don't do this to yourself again. Don't hurt your foot and then have it ricochet through everything else. So I told my coach, I don't want to run right now. Take a little time off. And then I was on my feet all day Friday. Um, and holy cow. And of course I couldn't find where I parked my car. And I was just like <laughs> kind of wincing around this parking lot. Um, so anyway, uh, so anyway, yes. So I went to the podiatrist on Monday and, um, and so he kind of looked at the x-ray and he, and kind of looks at me and then he, and then he p- touches my hand, my foot and he's like, is, is this where it hurts? And I was like, yes. Mm. And he showed this little, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's the size of, I don't even know, like a crumb or, you know, a couple crumbs put together. I mean, it is not a big thing. Um, He's like, this is such an odd, interesting fracture. He's (laughs) like, this is just odd. I mean, he said it a couple (laughs) times and I'm like, yep, leave it to me. I mean, basically, I mean, my foot was in a boot. If you, if you hold up your hand with those four, say your four fingers Uh are your, um, are your feet, you know, so you've got one, one more toe next to your pinky. Yes. I'd be holding up your left hand. Uh-huh. So that first, that first, my toe, my first finger just went out to a big V. So I like, you know, it's like I caught it on a corner uh. except for that. I didn't because I was in boots and I just fell. Oh like it God. wasn't like I caught it on a spare tire or something, you know? <laughs> so I don't know how I did it. And, you know, and again, people have asked me how I fell and I was like, I don't know. I just hit the ground so hard and I was splayed out. Like that's all I remember. So, <laughs> well, the awful thing is, is that when I had fallen, you know, a couple of days before that, when I was running, um, not, not with you and, and that when I got back, Jack was like, oh yeah, you know, if that happened to Dimity, we'd have to put her down. <laughs> so sure enough, the two of us proof positive, both of us have basically the same fall. I walk away with just, you know, slight bruising on my bum and, you know, you come out of it, not being able to run for three weeks. Broken bone, broken bone. Yeah. But you know, the good news, yeah. Like, so it's three weeks. I mean, he said we will reevaluate in three weeks. He didn't mm. say that I would be running again in three weeks and mm. I don't have to be in the boot. He's like, you know, I just don't think it will help at all to stabilize your foot. 
Um, and he said, the, you know, the little chip might reabsorb back into the bone, which would be, you know, best case scenario. He's like, or we can go in and take it out. And I'm like, oh, no, I've had enough for surgery and I know how that goes. I know how that story ends and I don't want to do that again. So um, so we'll see um, uh-huh. how that is. And uh, it, the good news is check out this really good segue. It gives me a lot of time to play Legos with Ben. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You, I, I always give you grief for, for being a little bit of a hoarder slash pack rat. So tell me about those Legos and how long you well, didn't give well, them to first your children. Of all, first of all, I'm not a hoarder or pack rat. I am a person who likes to savor things and keep the anticipation waiting. So <laughs> that's my positive spin on that attribute of mine. Um, so, but I just wanted to revisit the topic. And uh, you and I talked about this before the podcast that, that I don't know why the topic came up before, but about how um, one of my kids' friends' mothers had given us a bunch of just kind of random um, hodgepodge of Legos and that I had kept them in the same bag and the same box that she gave them to us in our front hall closet for at least two years. And I forget what prompted me, maybe. I think you'd you'd revisited the topic with me, Dimity. Well, it was more that, oh, so when we were in Arizona, we were squirreling away the chupa chups or the Mexican <laughs> lollipops that we get at the front desk to give them to our kids because they all say, did you bring us something? Did you bring us something? And we're like, yeah, we brought you free chupa chups. So... So, so that was, you know, a week. And then I saw you again in Salt Lake a week later. And, and I said, oh my gosh, my kids love those. And you're like, oh, I haven't given them to my kids yet. <laughs> that's, and that's not the first time that that has happened. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, two years is not savoring the Legos. <laughs> two years is a little pack, Patty. <laughs> no, two years was saving myself. My kids just are the worst at picking up. And, um, like I go to other people's houses and I see that their kids have all their games all neatly put away and stacked. And so then when it's, Hey kids, let's play operation, you know? And so they get it out and there's all the little body parts and there's the tweezers and there's the this. And, and I'm like, Oh, look, we don't, not only do we not have the tweezers, but all we have is like the gallbladder, like (laughs) come on. So, you know, and gosh, card games, they lose half the Uno cards. You know, it's the, why haven't, I admit we haven't opened that game that you gave us. Card games that I gave you for Christmas two months ago. (laughs) Yes. Not quite two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, and you know, you're definitely always talking about like, oh yeah, my house is like, you know, a total, you know, crush scene of, of Lego pieces everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going there. So I finally went there on Sunday and, but I think you had, you know, said again, like, Hey Sarah, have you given them those Legos? So I don't remember like what, I don't know, but I said, Hey, you know, we have some Legos and, uh, oh, I know what it was, was that, um, uh, let's see, we had a kid swap on Saturday night and Phoebe went over to a friend's house and then we brought that friend's middle sister over to our house so that the twins had a sleepover with a friend and then Phoebe was at a sleepover. And then we had to drop the twins friend off way earlier than Phoebe came home. And so they were, I knew that they were going, well, why does her play date get to last longer? Wah, 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 wah. So, you know, I need to call a ambulance. And um, so... <laughs> <laughs> if you watch Modern Family, you know I stole that line. Um, and so I said, hey, but we have these awesome Legos. And then, I am not kidding you, Dimity, the twins played with those things for five straight hours. And they stood, they, they decided they'd play them at the kitchen table. John stood up the whole time because, you know, he's a boy and he doesn't want to sit down. 
And then they just made up all these scenarios with them. But the best part of it was, was that um, Daphne had um, Rihanna's song Disturbia stuck in her head. And so <laughs> she's at the kitchen table playing Legos, having a conversation with, a John, with John, but every so often going, bum, bum, beat em, bum, bum, beat em. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then John would like join in with a line of it. And then they would just segue into something else. And suddenly they'd be like, on the edge of glory, <laughs> you know, on the dance floor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the most scatological little songs running through their heads. And uh, awesome. yeah, so they, um, they just were, oh, they made all sorts of airplanes and they played that they were at Disney World and it was just, it was really nice. And then um, now after dinner every evening, that's what they've been doing as well. But as soon as Phoebe came into the mix, then it was like, let's all fight with each other. And where when sure. it was just John and Daphne, it was harmony, uh, discordant harmony at times musically. But... <laughs> Rihanna harmony. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think it's really good that you're, um, that they just got playing Legos and not like a set. Because uh, yep. what happens with, with Ben is that he gets the set he makes the set in like, you know, two seconds flat because he's done so many. And mm-hmm. then, and then, you know, and then it breaks, but then he, he doesn't really, you know, there isn't a lot of um, creativity with it, you know, oh, where yeah. I'm like, yeah, but I have to, I kind of plan a seed like, Oh, can you make a skating rink, you know, or can you do this or can you do that or whatever? And then, you know, if he's in the mood, he'll do it. But I think, I think, um, I think the prepackaged Lego sets have kind of, ruined the the creative spark in kids oh i know that's why i love these ones because the mom was super nice that she gave us a lot but then also it's not just you know blocks but she did put in a couple little you know steering wheels and little gas pumpy type things and these things that look kind of like um light brights they're they look like um like sparkly plastic almost spear tips or something but so they can use them in all sorts of ways oh and there are some little people in them and so you know they that's like i said they made a lot of airplanes but the airplanes can have little steering wheels but yet they don't really have wings they have just you know green lego things that go straight out you know so yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so that's great yeah i really like it so but um but our show is not today about legos or about um (laughs) even chip fractures but it is about um someone who has shown people how to get healthier as runners and kind of give new thought to to what they have on their feet and that is we're going to talk to chris mcdougall who is the author of the best-selling book born to run and I'm sure most of you have read it. So we're really super excited to have Chris on the show. So here's Chris McDougall. Chris, thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. Good, good. So we just want to know, for starters, how many times have you been asked if you've met the boss because uh, your book shares the same title as one of the Bruce Springsteen songs? My brother-in-law has been to something like nearly 100 shows. I think Springsteen has a restraining order against him, and he's the <laughs> one guy that really thinks he can somehow leverage this into some boss exposure. <laughs> no, no luck well, so far. Is, is Bruce even a runner? I, I'm thinking he's not. You know, you know, I know almost nothing about him, almost nothing. So it looks like something. He's doing something right because the guy looks fabulous for whatever, whatever he, he is. He is. Like something. Yeah. 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 Those shows, those shows are like ultra marathons too. I mean, the way he, you know, they're four hour shows still. He's ripping it up and and singing loud. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's something a little too kind of 
cowboy and shoot out him though to really imagine him out there running. I, I can't see him in shorts. That's the thing. You can only <laughs> see him in jeans. That's it. It's always jeans and like a white tee, right? That's that's the yeah, Bruce outfit. Right, right, yeah, right. He's halfway there. He's there from the waist up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't see those. I, I imagine he's got scrawny little legs and uh, and under those, you know, and cowboy boots, always cowboy boots, running shoots and right, running right, shorts and cowboy right. boots. Well, so yeah. so pop culture. So a little bit of pop culture. So, I mean, we've we've seen that the screenplay for Born to Run has been written. Um, and we I had a sighting of uh, Mr. Jake. Is it Gyllenhaal? Is that how you say his last name correctly? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in Leadville pacing a couple of years ago. And um, so I'm just curious what's going on with that. Man, it's crazy. Uh, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, it, well, it explains why so many like crappy movies end up on screens because <laughs> you think that people in a profession really know what they're doing. It's all very kind of mechanical and proficient and 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 well done. And then you realize that everyone's just sort of bumbling around, kind of waiting for somebody else to do something. So at this point, it's going through one of these weird everybody pointing fingers at each other phases mm-hmm. but hopefully it's going to lead to a shiny new dawn in like a matter of a couple of weeks so and this is like this like sort of critical juncture where the current team could totally fall apart and be disbanded and a new team could step in or they could you know shine through i i don't know where we're we're, we're in mile 80 of that ultra where anything can happen sure <laughs> sure and i mean if if it does um, and we really do hope it does do does see the light of day. Is it? It's going to focus on the the race, right? Well, that's been one of the major points of contention. Um, and I'm not. I'm probably not supposed to reveal a whole lot of what it's about. But yeah, there's. You know, the, the difficulty is, and the whole idea of going to run, like the whole orientation point for me while writing the book was, whenever you see running depicted in movies and books, it's always like the shitty thing you have to do in order to do something else. You know, it's like <laughs> Rocky doesn't want to run, but he's got to run because he's going to fight Apollo Creed. Like nobody wants to do it, but they sort of got to do it in order to achieve something else. And, and where I was trying to do with Born and Run is to say, no, actually it's an end in itself. Uh, millions of people do it because they enjoy it. If it was terrible, we wouldn't do it. And sure. I really wanted to make the book reflect the kind of real pleasure and fun and camaraderie I mean, you guys, you guys have been there. Leadville is the perfect example. Like the most fun in that race is happening at the aid stations um, because everybody's there pulling for their runners. And anyway, there's such joyfulness. Anyway, the, the current movie doesn't really reflect that, and that's what I'm really oh. So you want to more of the the spirit and the enjoyment of running injected into it. Yeah, I mean, to me, that is that is exactly the point of the book. The point of the book is that you know we were born to do this. It's what we do best. It's not if fish hated to swim. There'd be no more fish, you know? Uh, <laughs> dolphins enjoy it. Birds enjoy flying. You know, humans yeah. enjoy running. And Sure. Yeah. So there you go. You, 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 you hit the perfect nerve right out of the gate. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> don't, don't hang up on us yet. We're not done yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, fire away. I'm, I'm, I like this. So I, mean, so, I mean, did you ever think that a book about natural running would capture the interest and enthusiasm of so many people? This is the wrong answer, but I have to say, um, I thought, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that the catalyst was going to be the barefoot running aspect, but when I started to put this stuff together, I was just kind of looking at the material and thinking, man, if this book sucks, it's your fault. Like, the raw <laughs> material is, is great. And 
I felt that the um, the bookshelf was kind of open for a good adventure story about a very popular sport. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I thought, you know, the, the chances I thought were pretty good. Uh, of course, you know, it's like too, when you write something, you think that beforehand you have the best hopes for it. It's only afterwards you realize that you sort of didn't accomplish what you hoped to. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, what year did it get published? What year did it come out? Uh, 2009. So, I mean, so this has been a four-year ride. I mean, is it, has it slowed down at all? <laughs> um, not, not much. It seems to have um, cycles where it'll really rocket around Christmas and slow down through the winter and take off again in the summer. So it's, it's had a pretty good four-year ride, yeah. Well, now it's, now it's just out in paper. When did it come out in paperback? Uh, see, I think it's 2011. So it will be two years in paperback this coming um, April. Oh, okay, okay. And, nice. And then you touched on the the you know that it was the catalyst for the barefoot running. I mean, d- did you have any sense that it might ignite a revolution in the footwear industry? No, that that's everything that caught me by surprise. Uh, I almost cut that whole chapter on running shoes out of the book. I just felt <laughs> like, yeah, kind of really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the one chapter that doesn't really tell a story. Um, and I really wanted every single chapter to almost be a standalone short story. Sure. That would have people and action and, and movement. And that's the one chapter where everything just sort of skids to a halt, and it's mostly about studies and biomechanics and physiology. So I wrote it, and then I tried to rewrite it. I thought, there's just no way to improve it. It's just, it is what it is. Maybe I should just cut it out. And then I thought, eh, maybe I'll just leave it in. And that, that became the thing that really, really took off. Wow. Wow, that's really interesting. And well, so, and what is your take? I mean, when you go to a running store now and see, you know, 10 different running shoes that are doing, you know, zero drop or barefoot or natural running, I mean, is that something that you're like, wow, I'm glad to see this? Or do you feel like even the shoes are a little superfluous? Well, the thing that surprises me now when I go into running shoe stores, I actually see some of the same old stuff still going on, you know, like the video gate analysis and the motion control and the stability. I'm sort of like, yeah, they're really still doing this stuff? <laughs> I just feel like from my perspective, it's been so discredited. And, um, yeah, just so discredited. I, I can't believe it sort of still goes on. You know, I was in like a sports authority and, I was looking for like basketball shoes for my daughter, and I overheard you know the clerk talking to someone who's looking for running shoes, and you know he's doing the same thing. Well, you have a high arch. I'm looking at her foot. Like how can he tell? You're looking at her foot. He has no idea what he's talking about. And he pulled down some gigantic stability shoe, and I thought this is such bogus hocus pocus going on. So that's the surprise. As far as the minimalist shoes are concerned, you know again it's really cool because a lot of the shoes are really good, um, really good, and. My only concern, though, is that it has just become another example of product first. You know, they're sort of shoving these things out the door without a whole lot of emphasis on what people are supposed to be doing with them. Sure. Education and, and um, breaking them in and all that. Is that what you're talking about? You know, again, I think this all lives and dies by running for it. And that's the conversation that people are still reluctant to have. And people are still very kind of wishy-washy about it and they like to have this well you know we need more research and we're not sure and of course you're sure you know or at least get out there and try it um whether four foot midfoot whatever but at least make biomechanics inform the predominant issue and then the footwork will just follow naturally 
Sure. Well, I mean, one of the things that 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 um, that I took away from well, there's two things. Um, the first thing I want to talk about was your um, the book, and one that the thing that I remember the most. I'm sorry, I don't remember the race very well, and you know, I read it right when it came out, so it was a couple years ago. But I remember that your coach had you first of all like find old running shoes which you bought on eBay, right? Like the yeah. oldest, and then and then you had to run up hills. Like you ran a lot of hills because. That's just like that. Just promotes good form. It promotes that short strike, that slight forward lean. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's exactly right. And well, you know, Eric did two things. The guy who who rebuilt me did two things. One is uh, he said, you know, it's only in our lifetime that we have the luxury of being specialists, where you can say, oh, I do yoga, or I do triathlons, or I I only do one thing and I don't do other things. Because you know, for most of our existence, we we all did everything. You know, we carried stuff and we crawled and we lifted. So we were sort of universal athletes. Um, and what we tend to do now is develop one part of our body or only like one side of one part of our body and everything else goes dormant. So the first thing I had me do was lots of different exercises in order to just get much more mobility and overall strength. And then the second thing he did was he, he fell back on the same old drills that people have been doing like forever you know percy serity and author lydia they're all saying the same thing like you know go run hills you can't run uphill the wrong way and there are so many of those old techniques that have been dormant that are just excellent so talk about some more about some of the drills because actually so I'm, I'm training for an ironman and, and my coach has me do a lot of drills which part of me feels like it's a waste of time, but I, I feel like it's not, I mean, I feel like I, it's making some changes in my running style and kind of just how my body moves. So what, what other drills do you think are um, really useful? Well, you, you tell me, I'm curious. What, what is your coach have you doing? Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. Bark boxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. Dimity let Barkbox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com. Dot com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted Storyworth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com AMR when you subscribe. 
That's storyworth.com slash AMR. Oh, just, you know, like high knees, butt kicks, uh, karaoke, um, lunges, you know, walking lunges, um, stuff like that. You know, those, um, what are they called? The A and B drills, you know, that the sprinters do. <laughs> um, I, don't those, I don't know what those are. Oh, I'll have to, I'll send you a video. I'll, I'll, maybe we'll put it up on the, with the podcast, but um, there was a, there's a Gatorade uh, series YouTube video that has, um, I think it's Dathan Ritzenheim and the guy, the bachelor guy from Vail, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Sarah, do you remember who that is? No. He's the one that married Tris- Trista. Yeah. The one who's, uh, I want to say his name's Ryan, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Ryan. Fi- firefighter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so anyway, so it's the two of them going through, they have like flexibility drills and then they have active drills. Um, so that's what they have. And, and you, you don't like them basically because they're just like repetitive and you'd rather just go out there and crank out a lot. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not an endorphin high. It's not that sweaty rhythm that, you know, a lot of runners crave, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I, I do them after and I mean, and I do do them. I mean, I'm, I'm not not doing them because I feel like I, they have been helpful um, in as far as increasing my rage of motion and getting just my muscles to kind of work more as a cohesive unit. But, um, but it's the first time I've ever done it and I've been a runner for 20 years. Yeah, so I'm, I'm on the fence. There's definitely, like in all things, that big civil war between us, between what we know we should do and what we, we know we're really going to do. And yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing Eric realized pretty early on is he'll get me to do drills for a while, but not much of a while. And so after a couple of months, he allowed me to basically stop doing drills, but he would work them into the middle of workouts. So let's say he had me doing a long run, like a three-hour run. At the 90-minute mark, he'd have me stop and do 10 one-minute hill repeats. Hmm. And again, it was, it was kind of brilliant because what it forced me to do was stop. Because, you know, 90 minutes in a three-hour run, the last thing you're thinking about is running for. Right. You're thinking about, like, blueberry muffins and sofas. <laughs> but, you know, it stopped. It got my heart rate back up. It got my knees back up. It made my stride shorter and more nimble. And then you do the next 90 minutes. So, um I don't know. I mean, I, that's my, I sort of like my overall advice to people is don't focus on what the coach tells you because you, if you're not going to do it, you got to be upfront with the coach. I'm not going to do it. So what is it that I can do that I'll actually carry through on? Sure, sure. Huh. You know, for, and for me, the one drill which really paid off was, um, I don't know if you saw that piece I did uh, about a year ago on a thing called the 100 Up. Uh, it's a drill from the 1870s, basically running in place. But um, that one drill alone, to me, is like it's it's the ultimate solution. It perfectly answers the question of, of what you need to do. You called it the ultimate what? Like the ultimate solution. It's like the one thing, you know, you, when you start to ask people questions like, well, you know, how should my foot land or how high should my knee go or all these sort of micro technical questions. Well, if you just run in place, keeping your back straight and landing in the same place over and over again, you almost can't do anything wrong because if you do, you'll instantly know because you go off your mark, uh, you'll wobble back and forth, you won't be able to get your knees up. So just doing that one exercise, to me, answers all, all form questions. Wow. And do you do those daily or no? I do them whenever I feel like I'm falling apart. Like in winter when I'm out in shoes, um, I feel like I'm, I'm like the recovering alcoholic. I'm like one <laughs> sip away from disaster at all times. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's true. Like my, like my form is, is naturally really pretty sloppy. So um, when I spend a lot of time running in shoes in the winter, I feel like my, my form is really getting soft. And so I'll do the 100 up a lot more in the winter. And then in summer, uh, I'm running barefoot again, and I don't need it as much. 
And the hundred up, we'll we'll definitely post a link to that. I mean, I've I've tried that. Is so I mean, you know, just the marching in place is pretty is it can be challenging. And so at what point, like, and is that as effective as running in place? Well, there there are two phases. So the marching in place is they call the minor, and then running in place is the major. And uh, the guy who came up with it, Walter George, really stressed that it's about mastery. So the goal is not to see how fast you can go. I mean, the goal is to see how cleanly you can execute the drill so you think marching in place what's the big deal but when you actually try to do it it's you know it's a little tricky to actually do it properly um and his whole point was once you master the minor the marching then you advance to the major the running and you will gradually go faster and faster the goal is to be able to run like your race pace in place indoors but you have to build up to it Wow. So that's what this guy did. This guy did it for years. That's the only uh, training he did. Then he go outside and like break world records. Makes me think that uh, you know prisoners can then like come out of jail and, and be you know, winning <laughs> yeah, races. Right, right, right. A major reform for the penal system. Yeah, how to make the most of your <laughs> stay on Alcatraz or something like that. Yeah, yeah, a whole new breed of Olympians. <laughs> right, right. Um, so what what's been your favorite run ever? You know, I, I'm a serious homebody. I um, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't even like to leave the house anymore. So all my runs are all around here. Um, it might just because we live in a really nice area. We're out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've, I've had a chance to run in a lot of great places, but I, I just really love... But maybe that's natural. You know, maybe we have that sense of playing in our own backyard. But I sure. have a little sort of a, a trail loop I do around here that cuts through a bunch of farms. It's about a seven-mile loop. And I'll do, that, I'll do that every single day for like six months at a time. Wow. Well, always wow. Is, always the same direction, or do you sometimes get really crazy and go the opposite route? You know? No, no, it's identical. It's identical. I'm going the other, I, when you said that, I, I first like, that's it's insane. Why would anybody go the other way? <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't want to see the back weird. side of the tree or the other side of the barn, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> no, it's totally, it's totally Rain Man. It's, uh, it's totally uh, obsessive-compulsive, but... Um, What's cool about it too is I just sort of stray off and go a little bit further in time, but um, yeah, that's it. Well, I have to I have to say that uh, when I graduated college, um, three days later, I drove across country with my um, boyfriend at the time, and we decided that um, Pennsylvania and Utah were what we decided were the most beautiful states in the union. So, um, I, you know, I can understand why you would be in love with running in Lancaster. Pennsylvania. So, so. Where, where are you now, Sarah? You, are you in Oregon? Yeah, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, of course. Now I think that's you know a, Oregon's the greatest state ever. But <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's not a bad runner-up. Yeah, yeah. Utah is the, the, definitely the big sort of hidden mystery. Like nobody realized like how nice it is there. Oh, so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I mean, the first time I went to um, Bryce and Zion, I just thought I was in heaven. I mean, wow, so so amazing and so foreign too. You know, yeah, right, right. Hey, world. now, so is the running in Portland as nice as we assume, or is it just because it has the whole sort of Oregon mystique? Oh, no, it is as awesome. I mean, just, you know, people can criticize the weather all they want, but I just love being able to run outside year-round, and it always feels nice and moist, and just the vibe of the feeling like you're, you know, I don't know, steps away from greatness, you know, um, and just, <laughs> just could wow. reach out and touch Kara Goucher if <laughs> yeah. I wanted to. Right, right. And, uh, away from greatness. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you know, I it's went down to, motto. When I, right. 
I coined it. I get it. (laughs) TM. Um, Yeah, I mean, when I went, uh, I did the Eugene Marathon, um, I guess now it's almost four years ago, and I went down for a training run. And, um, oh, yeah, there's Galen Rupp coming in the opposite direction. (laughs) There's before he was in the Olympics, and I was just like, wow, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we've, you know, people definitely see Kara around. And, and then other than that, I mean, just in the morning, even it's like, I always think it's like an episode of the walking dead or something, except everybody's running instead of walking with their arms <laughs> straight out in front of them. <laughs> I, you should make your thing. Whenever you see an elite runner, you should like scream and fan your face. Like it was like a Beatles rally. It'd <laughs> <laughs> like, be a cool thing for you guys to do too. I actually pitched this story to runner's world years ago and uh, they shot it down, but to me, it was such an obvious one to do. Mm. Go find Pre's old roots, like wherever Pre ran, you know, wherever woodland roots he did, like go run Pre's roots, like recreate a Prefontaine run. There you go. And I, or if you, if you don't want to do a story about, you know, you could always like start a, a tour group or something. And, you know, um, instead of like those walking tours of the hidden stairways of San Francisco, it's like the runs of, of Steve Prefontaine or something like that. You know. you know, there's a genius for marketing. You see, I, I only pitch myself as high as like a per award rate. You've already formed an entire corporation. <laughs> <laughs> it's an LLC. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's a great idea. Okay. It is a good idea. It is a good idea. The problem is if we have to be the tour guides, then, you know, that's a lot of running. That's too much running oh, I think for, my, we can... for my weary bones. Oh, no, no, no. We can get college students to do it. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they could dress Sorry, like they could nice. be the... Subcontracting, nice. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because I mean, you know, instead of painting, you know, get the college students to painting houses in the summer, they can just go out and run. Um, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, wait. I want to return one for back to form for one second. Sorry to be the the um, practical person here, but I, I I love your message that running doesn't have to hurt, and I think so many people that listen to this podcast kind of just gut it out all the time, and and myself included. I mean, so you know, that's such a huge perspective shift. How do you kind of get to that place where you're like, this is, I really want to enjoy this and get to the place where it's not just, you know, gritting my teeth and getting in my five miler. Yeah. Isn't it funny? We get our heads so, so thick in that regard that it, it has to be unpleasant or else we're doing it wrong. Um, yeah. That was a major thing that, um, I had to overcome like everybody else, because if I was kind of hurt, then I was doing it right. You know, the things are actually going well if I was half injured and, and stiff. And reversing that, I think, was another major thing that Eric Orton did with me. Uh, he, and, he, you know, mechanically, he strapped the heart rate monitor on me and just said, you know, once it beeps, you got to stop. And that's a hard discipline to learn. And I've been able to get away from the heart rate monitor since then, but it had to come first because I, you know, I wouldn't do it myself. Um, if you told me to do sort of three quarters, uh, intensity, I would just ignore it and just go as hard as I could. And, but it's been a hugely valuable lesson because now it's been years. Uh, I never get injured. I never feel bad. I feel like I can run any day. And now it's at the point where as soon as sometimes you'd be on a hill and you think to yourself, oh, I'm pretty tired, but if I can just get to that tree, then I'll walk. As soon as I think that I stop and walk. Like, as soon as I start to think about stopping, mm-hmm. you stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's the ultramarathoner's perspective. It's, uh, it's a long race, you know. There's no, no shame in slowing down a little bit. But I think it leaves you fresh for the next day. I think that's, a good, that's a really good point. I think if you think of it as 
as your life is a long race or your running career is a long race instead of just trying to get to the next half marathon or through one run, you know, and kind of widening your perspective. I mean, I always tell our, our, our tribe, as we call them, you know, you only have one body and there's always going to be another race, but if you don't take care of that one body, you're not going to be able to do any more races, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the beauty of the fact is, you know, at this day and age, we don't actually have to chase antelope, you know, we don't have to actually move. So, <laughs> There's not that survival urgency, and so it really should be pleasure. You know, we have afforded ourselves in the 21st century this luxury of running only for fun. <laughs> it's only fun. So uh, we got to get away from this mentality that somehow we have to make it punishment or else it doesn't really count. It's no good. I don't know if you guys saw, like, um, Andy Burfoot wrote a blog column recently. He's trying to ramp up his training uh, for Boston. Mm-hmm. But he had basically taken most of the early winter off because he was sick and hurt and stuff. So now he went from zero to 70 miles a week. Oh. And wow. he's doing six in the morning, four in the afternoon every single day. Oh, my gosh. And I'm really just thinking, number one, how can that be fun? And, and number two, how can you not feel bad after a couple of 70-mile weeks when you've been doing nothing previously? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's Andy, so he's got such a reservoir of endurance. Maybe it's not that bad for him. Well, and he's a natural runner too. I mean, you know, he's as big as a toothpick, which helps. Um, but yes, I agree. I mean, I agree. It gets, it's, but, but I, I think that he is such a natural runner that he, it might be fun for him, but I mean, you know, I saw that you were a rower and I mean, both Sarah and I are rowers. We're not the most petite people going, right. We're pretty strong and muscular. So, you know, the idea of a 70 mile week, pretty much <laughs> you put a gun to my head, you know, like, so. Well, that's, a, that's a funny thing too. Yeah. Bringing up the fact that we're all rowers, uh, because, you know, rowing is a technical sport. It's all about getting a smooth, polished stroke. Yet you watch rowers run, it's like they're about to run through a brick wall. <laughs> There's no finesse at all on land. Yeah, I was I was definitely an engine room, you know, uh, not, not all that technically proficient. Um, that was my downfall. Um, so one, one final question that um, comes from my running pal, Molly, who I asked her what she would ask you. And... Um, She's everybody should have a pal named Molly. Isn't that like a cool pal's name? <laughs> she's a vet. She's, she's a vet too, which makes her even cool. I have a, I have a pal named Molly who's a vet. Like yeah, that's, wow. That's a excellent. veterinarian. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. vet. I thought they were like a veteran of the Iraq oh. War. I thought super oh, no, cool. No, no, no. I know. I, that's why I specified. Yeah, she's an animal vet. Um, so, so my my pal Molly, the veterinarian, was uh, she was saying how riveting she found the race descriptions in Born to Run, and that so she wants to know what's the next race you'll turn your attention to as a wordsmith, and and is there another book in the works? Oh yeah, uh, you know it's funny. Earlier on, we were talking about when Born to Run came out, and I was sort of cringing inside because the more we talked about dates, the more I remembered like how far overdue <laughs> I am on the book I'm currently working on. Um, it's actually 1.7 years past deadline already. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. A new, a new indoor record for me. Uh, so yeah, I'm working on, on, on a new book and it doesn't involve running, but there is uh, this kind of whole adventure story that has this, this chase sequence and, and, and you guys know this too, you know, writing about running is kind of tricky because there isn't a whole lot of drama except at the very end. So most of it's not that, not that interesting. So uh, sure. it's, it's, um, it's a tricky thing to try to, to dramatize. Huh. Are you writing so about, sorry, are you writing about natural movement now or something like that? I, 
I feel like I read that somewhere. Yeah, I was trying so, to keep that to myself. I, 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 I can't keep it. Sorry, anything. sorry. Well, it's definitely on the no, internet. No, no. I read it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> well, obviously, I'm the one who said it, so it's my own fault. Uh, sort of, yeah, that, that's one element of what I'm looking at. So basically, what I'm, I, I think I'm trying to do is take the same kind of look at running that I did in Born to Run and apply that to other forms of uh, exercise and yeah, another form of exercise. Okay, cool. Well, it's been a blast. To, it's been a blast to talk to you, Chris. Thank you so much. I think this should be a weekly series. I think you guys should call in every every Wednesday. Okay, oh. we we will definitely have you on again. We would love to have you on again. I, I hope so. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. And Dimitri, good luck with your triathlon. That sounds it's much more than I would ever attempt. Well, you know what? And so yeah. So going back to what you said about Ambi, I mean, it's not fun, but it's something important that I feel like I need to do. Um, yeah. But it is fun. I mean, I'm really trying to enjoy it along the way and try to enjoy the process because that's, you know, if, I, if I'm not doing that, then what am I doing it for, you know? Yeah, and the process is getting stronger. It must just feel really good, too. Yeah, it does. It does. But, yeah, I'll talk to you in a couple months. <laughs> See if my perspective is still that way. <laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh, thank you. Take care. Bye, Chris. Bye. Wow. Well, uh, I may be so bold to say, I think that's our best podcast yet. I think, uh, I mean, I could just sit and talk to him for hours, I think. Yeah. And I got to admit, I have a tiny bit of a crush. So I'm just saying it. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Chris, if you're listening, Sarah, I can, I can send you a picture. Like I said, I'm good at internet research, as you can tell. So I can send you a picture. But, um, but I think what, what he says is so smart about, you know, I mean, I think he obviously had to go through a total re-education and that is a whole, you know, another devotion and time and effort and mental focus. But I think if you can just kind of take that, just pull off that, that it shouldn't be so hard. If I want to walk, I'm going to walk now, you know, within reason, of course. But I mean, I just think that, that trying to like embrace that, like, wow, I'm running for fun. I've chosen to do this and, you know, and, and this should be enjoyable and not painful, mm-hmm. I think is a, um, just a nice, you know, a nice little flavor to have in your mind every once in a while, instead of just go, go, achieve, strive, you know? Well, and on that note, um, look, look for it. Maybe we'll go, talk. go, achieve, strive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, right. That could be our new cheer. <laughs> it's a little long to fit on a bumper sticker. <laughs> go, go, achieve, strive. Sarah, go, achieve, champion, go, go, achieve, strive. Maybe I'll make that up for your next, uh, for your next marathon, the Vancouver marathon. I'll get, I'll do it all clandestine and get someone to hold that um, sign up for right, you. Right, it'll be this I'll, whole. I'll get a good chuckle. It'll be like a, uh, like you know, uh, when you roll out the um you know ticker not ticker tape but like the you know the what am i trying to say like a telegraph message because it's i can just see oh, this yeah. thing, having to be unfurled and having like 20 canadians holding it exactly. up. hey you come oh. here get this end <laughs> oh i've got friends at north of the border you just wait and see what we can come up with <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. Well, and in the meanwhile, find us on Facebook at Run Like a Mother, the book on our website, anothermotherrunner.com, which we now will have, will the forms be debuted maybe? They, uh. they are debuting as we speak. Woo-hoo! I'm hoping that people are signing up right now. It's So let me let me just give a little, since this is going to go long anyway. Yeah. Um, the forms, really cool. You want in. You want in because we have... Um, Two cool things that I don't think is anywhere else on the web. One is find a BRF or best running friend where we're kind of trying to do a basic match.com for, for um, female runners. You don't have to be a mom. Um, and then the second one is a free gear swap, which is basically like, hey, 
those running shoes that I don't need anymore because I'm going all barefoot <laughs> collecting <laughs> dust in my corner. They're, they're, you know, size 12 men's, but if you want them, they're yours. And, and the, so the whole thing with the free year swap is that um, the recipient only pays for shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, the idea is, is to, you know, get rid of gear that you're not using anymore mm-hmm. um, and, and give it to someone else who will find a good home for it. Yeah. That still has life in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then uh, we're on Twitter. Our three accounts are at Dimity on the run at SBS on the run and our joint account at the mother runner. And please look for our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother. And I guess Chris's book is well born to run on Amazon.com. Uh, thank- oh, buy our first. He doesn't need it as much as we do. <laughs> it's the I'm truth. Saying, it's the four truth. Years, four years, New York Times bestseller. We're, we'll get there one day. But, right. But uh, what do you say, Ron? Edge of greatness? Or I'm always this close to touching greatness. Oh, one yeah. step, one step away from greatness. There you go. <laughs> Now we're one step closer to greatness after having him on the podcast. Right, right. All right. Many happy miles, ladies. 